Today, my voice is showing the effects of being attacked by allergies, and uh, this week has been a rough week for me physically with these allergies, and so I do apologize for how I sound. I don't feel as bad as I sound, but I'm healed in Jesus' name, amen? I'm believing to be completely healed. God has done an amazing work in my body where it's not near as bad as what it used to be, so it's a process, and I'm still receiving fullness of that healing. Um, about five years ago, I had to be on an allergy pill virtually every day of the entire summer. Last year, I probably only had to have probably about 12 to 15, probably one of the best years I've had in many years. And so God is, uh, God is healing my body, amen? So I'm not going to be discouraged. Last night, I was laying in bed, and I couldn't even sleep because I was having a hard time breathing, and I just kept praying in the spirit and believing, God, you are going to completely heal me. And this is, this is a, a lie of the enemy. Amen? We've got to identify it for what it is. My mind wanted to run away with fear. Come on. Wanted to run away with fear of what is this? What did I get? But I know that in the name of Jesus, I'm healed. So many of you noticed that uh, today I have a backdrop. Um, I'm starting today a series um, a two-part sermon on um, keys, see God open doors. And I have here as a backdrop, I have a couple of doors here that are going to be uh, symbolic. Hopefully it'll help drive the point home for us to have a virtue, you know, something to see, to, to connect to of what's happening. So the next two weeks, um, we're going to have these here as a backdrop and it's going to be part of what we're going to be talking about, how God opens doors. It's amazing how whenever we begin to talk about what God is doing, it's amazing. You know, how many times have you ever, I'm going to ask you a question first. Everybody's got a key? Pull out your keys, car keys. If you have a car key or house key or any kind of keys, find your keys, pull them out. Hold them over your head if you have keys. If it's only you, if only one person, okay. Look at those keys. How many of you ever got the key in the mail from John Jones or from the dealer? says, if your key opens the door, you win a car. Come on. Still hoping for it. Keep your keys out. Set them on the chair beside you. Keep them somewhere next to you. Because these are going to be symbolic also. No, none of your keys are going to open a door and you're going to get a brand new house. But it would be a wonderful thing, wouldn't it? But today, your keys are going to be symbolic of something that God has for us. There are keys that God has placed in our lives through Jesus. Through Jesus. And so we're going to see how God opens doors through keys that he has placed in our life. And Jesus is the key. I'm going to start out by talking about um, something that I, it's a book that I don't even read much in. I'm not much into end times, as many of you know. I don't preach much on end times. In fact, I don't know that I ever have preached on end times. So to uh, go to Revelations is only usually to um, connect to something that is in other places or on other subjects. Um, not that I don't care about end times or what it's going to be like, but I feel like whether it's going to happen tomorrow or in 20 years, I'm going to live the same way, and I'm secure in that. And I believe we as believers should be secure in what's going to happen, whether it's tomorrow, that we're going to live the same way as if it was tomorrow, or there's going to be in another hundred years, and we have a legacy to leave behind. So I'm going to live the same way. Amen? So that's my heart behind that one. So that's one of the reasons why I don't preach on it much. Um, but one of the things that um, story in Revelation stood out to me, and it's going to emphasize something here, but that story in Revelations, it talks about there are seven churches in the book of Revelations that Jesus speaks very harshly towards. He speaks very harshly towards these churches and uh, all these churches except for one. And it's interesting because, you know, as you think about this, this one church, he doesn't reproof, he doesn't correct, but he actually praises and exhorts them for what they have done. And it is a church that he actually commends and praises this church. And so we're going to look at that in Revelations chapter 3, verse 7, because if he praised this church, there's probably something that we can learn from it. I want to be that church that he praises and doesn't correct and reprimand for how they are. Many of the churches that he talks to in Revelations are ones that have become 
apathetical and have slouched back into being lazy and not pursuing really God and have lost touch of seeing Jesus as the source. Come on. How many churches do we know like that? I hope you're not thinking of this one. But you know what? And the, the reality is every last one of us can be if we get caught up in religiousness rather than pursuing God and seeing Jesus. And so the reality is that we need to see Jesus. And this is the church that he talks to this way in Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. And it says, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Well, I didn't even know there was a church in Philadelphia. But how many of you know what does Philadelphia mean? Brotherly love. That's right. And this is the church that Jesus commends. So he's writing this to the church of Philadelphia. He says, he writes, these things say he who is holy. He who is true. Now, I'm going to stop there for a moment because this is God speaking here. How many of you know that Jesus is holy and Jesus is true? Come on. And we have something great to be able to look forward to. Aren't you glad that we can look? First of all, let's look at the thing of God, Jesus being holy. Aren't you glad that in a world where there are so many kinds of masks, there are so many kinds of things that are evil in this world. There's people that are hating. They're angry. They want to kill each other. Countries that are rising up against other countries. They're driven to kill. They're driven to destroy. They're driven to take other people down. They're wanting to climb the corporate ladder. And whatever it takes, even if it destroys you, they don't care. The evil that is in this world. Come on. Aren't you glad that in the midst of a world that is like this, that we can look to a God, Jesus, and see Jesus who is beautiful, who is holy. Come on. A person who is holy. His name is Jesus. And though we are not perfect, we are holy in Jesus. Come on. We are holy. Aren't you glad we can rest in Jesus who is holy and true? So the next part there is talks about he who is true. In today's society, it's interesting because even in the church, we're talking here on Wednesday nights. If you're not able to be a part of that, um, please come. We're talking about removing the mask, giving you permission to be you. And so one of the things that we're talking about is taking off the mask. How many of you know in the church, many of us as believers wear a mask? In fact, I'm going to tell you, every last one of us probably wore a mask here today. You go, oh, I, don't, I don't think so. I didn't wear a mask. I promise you did. Did you put on deodorant? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to see anybody who didn't raise their hand. If you wore deodorant, you tried to mask something. It's called the smell of your body. Come on. When you brushed your teeth this morning, wow. <clears throat> when you brushed your teeth this morning, you tried to mask something. Every last one of us masked things in our lives. And it's so interesting that in the same way that we try to mask things physically, we also try to mask them spiritually. We try to cover up our weaknesses our areas of vulnerability, our areas where we are weak in, those areas where we find ourselves continually going back to or being trapped in. Maybe you have an anger issue. Maybe you have things that the enemy is constantly pulling on you that you struggle with. How many of you know if you show those weaknesses, people see me as being weak if I allow people to see that, so we wear a mask. So we're talking about a God. So even in our understanding of one another, we need to be able to see Jesus. Aren't you glad we can see Jesus, who is true, true to who he is? He's not wearing a mask. He is true to who he is. He is, he is God. He is man, and he is God. In today's society, another thing about God being true or Jesus being true is that in today's society, in every arena of business, how many of you know the bottom line or money is the bottom line? It's always the bottom line. That's the most important thing. Money is the bottom line. And too often that has moved over and been in the church. Money is the bottom line. But in the church, money is not the bottom line. People are the bottom line. Come on. That's what it talks about being true. And aren't you glad that we can see Jesus? God instituted finance. Money is not evil. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. That would say, woo, praise God. Amen. All right. Come on. Say amen to that one. Unless you just, I can take away all your evil today if you just want to give it up right now. Okay. If you think it's evil, I'll, I'll take it off your hands. All right. It says the love of money. Come on. 
It's not money that's evil. It's the love of money that is the root of evil. And so we need to understand that God does not, God instituted finance. He wants us to have everything that we're in need of. And so money is not evil. And so we need to see a true who God is. Jesus was true. So we can see Jesus who is always true, true to who he was. So we see that he is holy and he is true. Let's go back to that verse, Revelation 3, verse 7. It says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts, and shuts and no one opens. Now, now you understand why I have the doors here. There's something that, that we need to understand. What is the key of David? The key of David is Jesus. And he says that he is the key of David. Jesus is the key of David for the church of Philadelphia. And that is the church that we are today. We are the church that is going to emphasize Jesus as our key. The one who's going to open doors which no man can close. And close doors which no man can open. Come on. I don't know if you're getting this, but we're going to break this down, and you're going to see how Jesus is the one who's going to open doors. Maybe you're looking for opportunities. Maybe you're looking for that job. God's going to be the one. Jesus is going to be the one who's going to open those doors, and you say, but it's impossible for me to be able to get that job. It's impossible for me to be able to keep that job. I don't know how I got this. If God opened it, no man can close it. And if he closes a door, don't even try to kick it down. Don't even try to kick that door down, because if he closed it, no man can open it. Come on. And so we need to understand the truth of who Jesus is. So what is this key of David? In Revelations, what is this key of David that he's talking about here? This church of Philadelphia, which Jesus appears to as the one who has the key of David, is spoken of positively. So what is this key? It says that this church has the key to open what no one can shut and who shuts what no one can open. Isaiah, we're going to look at Isaiah. Now this was in Revelations. This is talking about who Jesus was. But we're going to look now in Isaiah where it's, it's a prophetic word that is given, a, a, a prophetic word by Isaiah that is spoken of about Jesus the Messiah. In Isaiah chapter 22, verses 23 and 24, Catch this now. This is before Jesus had ever come. Speaking about Jesus. The key of the house of David. There it is again. This is the only other place that this is mentioned. The key of the house of David. I will lay on his shoulders. So, shall, so he shall open and no one shall shut. And he shall shut and no one shall open. So there we see that Jesus is the one that he's talking about as being the key of David which can open doors which no man can shut, and can shut doors which no man can open. Amen? Jesus is the key of David. Verse 23, I will fasten him as a peg in a secure place, and he will become a glorious throne to his father's house. They will hang on him all the glory of his father's house. So they'll hang on who? Who's the peg? In, the other, in, a, in King James, I see, it says a, a nail, which is driven. He's going to be a peg or a nail that is, that is put in a secure place. How many of you know Jesus is secure for us to hang on? Come on. He is secure for us to hang on. Verse 24, they will hang on him all the glory of his father's house. And the offspring and the posterity, all vessels of small quantity from the cups to all the pitchers. How many of you know, what are the cups and the pitchers? What are these vessels? Come on. If I had mirrors here, I'd show you a picture of you. It's us. And we hang upon that peg, which is in a, in a secure place, so we can trust. How many of you hang your coat on a, on a coat rack or on a peg or something in your house? That's what we are. We are hanging on Jesus, who is that in that secure place. In other words, Jesus is like a nail or a peg in a secure place. All the vessels in the house hang on Jesus, and that's you and I. We hang on the Lord Jesus. Without Jesus, everything collapses. Without Jesus, without that peg, I can go, and it just drops to the ground. I could take my coat. I can, have you ever had something move? 
not be where you thought it was, and you just toss your jacket, and it just, it's like that peg's gone, hits the wall and drops to the floor. Without Jesus, that is exactly what we are. We're going to fall. It's going to collapse without Jesus. Come on. So Isaiah prophesies of Jesus being the key of David. This is the only other place where it speaks of the key of David. Jesus is that key of David for us today. Amen? He is that for us today. He never changes, and that is what he is for us today. We are entering a season of open doors where he opens and no one can shut, and he shuts and no one can open. Amen? He is going to be the key of David for us. And he's going to open doors. There's been prophetic words. We're believing that God's going to give us opportunity to be able to build another place. No, we're not completely to capacity. But I believe the movie, Feel the Dreams, if you build it, they will come. No. I believe that if we wait for this place to be full, then they will not come. But we will take a step of faith and believe that he is going to be that peg that we're going to be able to securely hold on to. Amen? Hallelujah. And I believe that he is going to open doors, and it's going to be obvious to this city and to the world around us that they're going to know it's not what this city, not what this church, not what these people could do, but it's only what Jesus could do. He's going to be the identifying peg. Come on. It's not going to be us. He's going to be that peg. He's going to open the door, and no man can shut it. Revelations chapter 3, verse 8. We're going to go back to that. The very next verse after verse 7, it says, I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. For you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Now, there are some key things that the church of Philadelphia holds fast to. And I believe it's key for us to understand, why did this church, what did this church have? What did they identify? What did they pursue, put as the key things that made them a church that Jesus looked at and spoke positively of? Pardon me for a moment. What was it that made them different, that Jesus spoke differently about them? There are key things here, and one of the things that it brings out in this verse is that they hold on to my word. They held on to my word, the word of God, the rhema word, the word of what God spoke over them, what God was speaking into their lives. What is the word that God has spoken into our lives? What is the word that he's spoken into you individually, as a family, as a husband and wife, as a future, as a church body? What are the words that God has spoken Do we hold fast to those, or do we stand back and just sort of wait, hoping that someday it'll just fall in our lap? The plan of God is laid out for us. The word of God lays it clear, but we have the opportunity to lay hold of it. We have the opportunity to lay hold of it, to walk in the doors. How will we know unless we take a step toward those doors? If we stand here, I will never know what's on the other side of that door. If I stand here and stare at the door and wait for it to open, now I'm not saying push it in, but unless I take steps to it, until I get to that door, he he doesn't need to open it. Come on. He doesn't need to open it until I get to that door. So I'm standing at a distance, looking at a door, wanting for it to be open, but I'm not ready to walk through it yet. We need to be ready to walk through that door and to know that whenever he opens it, we can take steps into it. So they held fast to the word. They hold fast to my word, my word, God's word. And what's the next thing it says? They have not denied my name. They have not denied my name, my name, the name of Jesus. You see, many churches, it's interesting because you can go to services around this country and go into churches and you'll never hear the name of Jesus even mentioned. That's very sad to say, but it happens. They'll talk to you about behavior modification talk to you about all the things that you need to do, but they'll not talk about what Jesus has done for us. And one of the things that this church of Philadelphia did is they did not deny 
They have not denied my name, the name of Jesus. Revelations chapter 3, verse 10. I want you to see the very next thing that it brings out. And I'm going to read this in Amplified. I don't know if you have that there in Amplified or not. But verse 10, then it brings out the next point that I believe is critical for us to understand about the church of Philadelphia. It says, because you have guarded and kept my word of patient endurance, have held fast the lesson of my patience with the expectant endurance that I give you. There's a patience and endurance, but it's not our patience and endurance. Notice what it says there. It says, my patience. My patience. Whose patience is that talking about? Jesus. How many of you know, many times we talk about patience and endurance, and it always comes back to pointing to us. But how many of you know, more and more we're realizing that every time we point to us, we're going to fall short. Every time we try to point to us. So listen, if you don't feel like you have endurance or patience, maybe you had a situation this morning that reminded you that you don't have patience. You know what? It's okay. He says he's going to be our patience. As we rely and rest on Jesus, he is going to be our patience. So they held fast to the lesson of my patience and my perseverance. There are some things that God will protect you from. It's interesting because as we go through life, there are many times that we, we want to know, why did I have to go through that situation? Why did I have to spend the past two years doing this? Why did I waste? We feel like it's a waste of time. Come on. Anybody feel like you ever have that wasted time? And we look at it and we go, why did this have to happen? And we say, well, God just must be trying to teach me patience, endurance. But you know what? The fact of the matter is there are some things that God will protect you from, and there are some things that God will allow you to go through. He is our patience. He is our perseverance to see us through to victory. Many times we have to go through those situations to see him as our perseverance, to see him as our endurance, to see him as the one who takes us through to the victory. Because in, in the end, I was talking to Jim before service. You know, many times, unless we realize that we have to go through these things, I was asking, I was talking about, why am I going through all this physical stuff with these allergies? But you know what? In the end, what's it teaching me? When I walk through this in healing and victory, What's it going to be? It's going to be my testimony. And it's going to be the thing that's going to drive me to tell people of what God can do. It's the very thing that helps me in my thing, my situation with my heart murmur. Why did I have to go through that? You know what? I had to go through it because it's now my testimony. It builds endurance. It builds patience. And it builds something inside us to have a testimony, to speak to others the truth. Now, how many of you know that if we see our situations from the past as being our weakness, we were talking about earlier, and we have to mask it, what happens to our testimony? We lose it because we now have it masked. We're trying to keep our weaknesses as being hidden. But if I allow the mask to come down and I tell you my weakness and what God has done to bring me through to the victory, now you can believe. Now you can believe. And it became a testimony of the goodness of God. And he's now using it. See how masks are critical. It's a little plug for Wednesday nights. Masks are critical that we take down masks. Masks destroy what God wants to do in church, in the body of Christ. When we allow him to be our patience and our perseverance, we can rest in his timing. When we allow him to be our patience, why am I going through this? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rest God, in your patience and your perseverance to see me through this allergy attack, to see me through to, be vic to, to the victory in this area in my life, to receive the full healing that I have in my life. Come on. I don't know. Maybe this is the reason why God had me do this, so I could be able to use it as an example, not use somebody else. I don't know. But you know what? Either way, to see the victory and it is his time. See, when we can rest in his timing, now I can, it's not in me understanding my perseverance, in my patience, but it's in knowing that he's going to do it. Now it's resting in his timing. How I many of you know we can heal up a whole lot better when we're at rest? Remember, we did that series a number of months ago. When we rest, who works? He works. 
When we work, he rests. He said, I'll let you do it. So we can rest or we can continue striving. We can continue striving. And in his time, he will open and close the door for healing, for whatever it is you're in need of in your life. He will open and he will close the door. But it's in his timing. And we can rest until that time comes. We can rest until that time comes. When God opens a door for you, no one can shut it. When God closes a door for you, no one can open it. So therefore, you can rest that it must be God's time or it must be for your best that he has best interest for him to have that door closed right now. Man, that aggravates me sometimes though. I want that door to be open now. Come on. I want that door to be open now. I want that door to be open. I want it now. It's my money and I want it now. Okay, awful commercial. But you know what? That's the deal right there. We want it now. But we can rest and know that it's in God's timing. We can rest in that. Acts 14, 27, it says, Now when they came, when they had come and gathered the church together, they reported all that God had done with them, and that he, who's he? God, had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. There again, we're talking about another door that God opened. But listen, what it describes it as? A door of what? Of faith. Oh, but we've always seen faith as being our, our we, have to, we have to generate faith. We have to work at faith. Come on. Have we not? And so many times, see this here. Faith is something that God opens a door for us to walk through into faith. Come on. He's going to open the door for us to walk through into faith. Whatever you're in need of, whatever place you're at, he is the one who's going to open door for faith. You don't always need faith, great faith, to walk out daily life. But whatever point you come to, whether it be college, whatever job, whatever relationship, whatever situation, healing, whatever it is that you need faith for, he's going to be your faith for that situation. Maybe it's parenting. Maybe it's relationship with your parents. Whatever it is. Maybe it's with your spouse. Whatever your situation is, he's going to be your faith to see you through that situation. He will open the door for you to have the faith that you need. Many times, how many times have we heard people say, I don't have enough faith? You can't say that. God's going to open the door for you to have the faith that you need for that situation. Even for Paul and Barnabas here in this story, they use the phrase, God opened the door of faith. Regardless of what people say, when God opens a door, what can they really say? When God opens a door of opportunity, what can man say? What can they really say? It really doesn't matter. We know God opened it. Come on. It really doesn't matter what they say anymore because we know it was God. We know it was God that opened the door. On the other hand, I can say a lot of good about myself, but when God closes the door, what can I say? I can puff myself up. I can make myself look good on a resume. I can do all the right things to try to get into that college. I can do all the right things to try to get that person to fall in love with me. I can do all the right things. Come on. I can make myself look good. That's what dating is, isn't it? A whole bunch of masks. Then after you get married, you take them all off and you wonder who you married. <laughs> no. But you know what? The truth of the matter is, dating's sort of a joke. Because we never are ourselves. Really. And so what really happens is we get to know somebody on a false pretense. Everybody holds the doors and, you know, puts on nice cologne and never burps, never... Yeah, other things. But you know what? This, I mean, it's the truth, though. So no other... We can make ourselves look good all day long. But when God closes the door, if God doesn't open the door, what can I say? God hasn't opened the door. You can't force it open. And you don't want to fight God and what he's trying to do for us and what he has for us, we can truly trust him. We can rest and know that it's in his timing. The bottom line, we are fully dependent upon God. The bottom line is we are fully dependent upon God. 
in his timing and what he has for us. So I have a question for you. Why are these keys in Jesus' hands? Jesus is the key of David. And each and every one of these doors opens by Jesus. So why are these keys in Jesus' hand? I want you to think about that for a moment. What else is significant about those hands? Eli, you got that picture? What's in those hands? Nail pierced. They are nail pierced. Why did God allow all that power and authority to open and close doors in our lives? Because nobody loves us like Jesus. He gave his life. It's in his hands. The proof. Why is the key in Jesus' hand to open doors of opportunity, to close doors? Because he loves us that much. He loved us that much. You can trust him to never use the keys of opening and closing doors against you. You can trust Jesus to never use that power of opening and closing doors. He'll never use it against you. He'll never have, oh, look, he thinks I'm going to give him this, but I'm not. And close the door. Come on. He's never going to use it against us. Because it is in the hands of the one who gave his life for us. It's in the hands of the one who loved us most. It's in the hands of the one who gave his life for us. He loved us more than anybody else. He was willing to go to the cross. There is another key that Jesus holds, and it's found also in Revelations chapter 1. We're going to look at that here in just a moment. How many of you know that Adam and Eve brought death into this world? Before that happened, God never intended on man to die. That's why Jesus went around. Think about it. When Jesus was here on earth, what did he go around doing? Healing the sick, raising the dead. God never intended death to enter into the world. He never intended for man to die. God wants you well. Do you believe that? Come on. Do you believe that? If disease is from God, then Jesus went against God. <laughs> Think about that. Jesus went around healing the sick and raising the dead. If disease and sickness is of God, don't ever say that over your body. Well, it must be, God's, must be just God's will for my life to suffer with this. No, 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 no. It was never his plan. If that's the case, then Jesus went against what God's will is. Come on. God wants you well. God wants you healthy. God wants you to live long. Jesus died young at age 33 so that you could live long. Jesus died young so that we could live long. What? <laughs> live long and prosper. <laughs> Amen. He died for us to live long. He bore your disease that you might be well. He bore our disease. He bore our sickness. He bore our infirmities. Every pain that you have, every pain that we have, even what I'm feeling today, even my fatigue. Come on, let's be real. Whatever you have, arthritis, whatever it is, by his stripes, what we partook of communion earlier, by his stripes, you are healed and you're partaking of the fullness of who he, what he has done for us. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, it says, Inasmuch, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So who had the power of death? I just told you. Satan. The devil had the power of death. But it says he doesn't anymore. He, what? Had the power of death. Come on. He had the power of death. Jesus came to destroy the one who had the power over death. Verse 15 says, And, and release those who through fear of death. How many of you ever feared dying? Come on. I feared dying before. I feared dying to the point when I was a child at different times where I would lay in bed and not be able to sleep, afraid that if I'd go to sleep, I wouldn't wake up. 
fear of death. And it says, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. This verse says that Satan had the power of death, which means he no longer has it. Amen? He no longer has it. Come on. We got to understand that it's not when the enemy decides that our time is up. Come on. It's not when the devil decides our time is up. You know, it's oftentimes uh, depicted in, in movies that the Grim Reaper comes around and it's, what's he doing here? Is it my time? And we always, you know, want to stay away because it's, he's coming to take us, the death angel. But you know what? That's not the case. That is the wrong picture. We are not at the enemy's deciding factor of when our time is to go. Come on. So who has the keys? Come on. Revelations 1, verse 16 through 18, it says, He had in his right hand seven stars. I believe that's the seven pastors of those seven churches. Out of his, hand, out of his mouth went a sharp-edged sword, sharp two-edged sword. And his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forever. Amen. And I have what? The keys of Hades and of death. This is talking about Jesus here. And I love this part where it brings out here, Do not be afraid. Why? Because the enemy does not have the keys of death. The enemy does not have the keys of death. Those keys are in Jesus' hands. So we don't have to walk in fear. We do not have to walk in fear. He says, I have the keys of Hades and of death. Do not be afraid. I have the keys of hell. I have the keys of death. Your salvation is sealed. Do you believe that? Your salvation is sealed. The enemy can't decide and yank it out. Come on. Jesus has the keys of hell. So therefore, you know, we used to walk around fearful. Part of my fear of death was because I was afraid that there was something that I wasn't right with God about. And I would sit there trying to think, is there anything else? That's not a fear. It can't be yanked away. Jesus has the keys of hell. So your salvation is sealed. Once you're saved, you're saved. Why? Because Jesus' blood is forever. Jesus holds the keys for us today to open doors for us. He holds the keys to open doors. He holds the keys to open doors. Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Furthermore, when I came to the Traus, I don't know if I said that right, to Traus to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord. Another door that was opened. By who? See again, another picture. The Lord opens the door. If the door's not open, in other words, even in this situation, Paul knew that when they went to preach the gospel, whatever you're called to do, if you're called to do a job, if you're called to sales, if you're called to nursing, if you're called to be a missionary, God will open the door. And as we identify and recognize that he is the one that opens the door, it's critical for us to understand and recognize that he is the one that opens the door for us. He is the one that opens the door. And if he opens it, no one can close. No one can close it. The Lord opened the door. If the door's not open, don't force it open. Many times we try to figure out, well, God, what, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? How many of you try? I, I hear this all the time. People say, I can't, hear, I can't hear God speak to me. I can't hear God speak to me. How many of you ever felt that way? Come on. Many times we're standing there, God, I feel like I'm supposed to go to college, but I can't decide between this one and this one. Come on. And we're standing there going, okay, what am I supposed to do? God, I'm waiting to hear you, waiting to hear you, waiting to hear you. But the reality is that he wants us to take steps, check it out, 
see which one opens and see which one closes. He'll confirm it to us. He will confirm it to us. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Many times we stand at these two doors. I had these two placed here next to each other for a purpose. Because it looks like, you know, we got two doors, two doors of opportunity. We got many times, oftentimes there's several choices. Not just one, there's, there's multiple. God, which one do you want me to choose? Which job? Which spouse? Come on. Who do you want me to marry? Who do you want me to go speak to? What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? And we stand before two doors, and we're waiting to hear God. Many times God will confirm it to us by simply opening the door. Or we'll find one of them is shut. Another way to know is that whenever we get to it, maybe you start, go check out the college, or you start being around the person. You don't feel comfortable with it. God will confirm it. You will know the door will be closed. You will know because the door will be opened. He'll be able to open the door. So many times we're waiting to hear a voice and God's saying, look for the open door. Look for the open door. We're sitting there asking God, God, do you want me to, you know, many times we overanalyze things. I'm driving along. There's a man standing on the side of the road with a sign. Need food. Need money for food. Homeless. And we stand there. Do we have time to sit there and go, okay, I need to pray about this? No, you only got a couple seconds. What are you going to do? Do you really have to pray? To me, it seems like an open door. Come on. But I'm going to sit there, and I'm going to spiritualize the thing. Well, God didn't, I didn't hear God soon enough, and I'm going on through the intersection. Come on. Don't over-spiritualize the situation. When there's an open door, realize the heart of God is there. The heart of God is there. It's an open door. And it shows, again, that we are so dependent on him. Remember, when we are weak before God, that is when he is made strong in us. When we are weak, when we feel like, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure what to do. I'm not sure which door to go through. I'm not sure where to go. When we are weak, that is when he is made strong in us. That's when he is going to show himself. But if you think you got it all together, got it all figured out, know what you want, put God as second, well, if this doesn't work out, then I'll find out what God wants for me. Come on. That's many times what we do. Look for the open door that God has for us. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 9. Verse 9, it says, For a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. For a great and effective, that word great there is mega, and the word effective there is energy. So there's a mega energy. Come on. Many times we feel weak. What's our strength? When we're weak, he is made strong. Look for a great, a mega, and effective, a mega energy door has opened to me. Come on. How many of you want when God to open the door that there's an energy that he has placed in you to be able to walk through that with confidence? To be able to walk through into what God has for us. To be able to walk through knowing, hey, that's an open door. I know that's the one. A great, a mega, effective, a mega energy is being released for us to walk through the doors that he opens for us. So many times we feel inadequate for the doors that God opens. Many times we feel like, well, I don't, I don't, I, I don't, th- I don't think I could do that. That's good. In our weakness, that's when he is made strong. Amen? A great and effective door has been opened to me. We will have adversaries. The last thing it says there, and there are many adversaries. Don't expect when there's an open door not to have adversaries. There are many oftentimes. It's part of it. But he's given you the power, and he's given you effectiveness to walk through that door, even with adversaries. One of the things that we must understand is our product is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Expect for there to be adversaries, but God will always open a door to deliver you. Expect there to be adversaries. Your product is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever you're doing, you are carrying that product. 
It doesn't matter whether you're working at a factory. It doesn't matter whether you're a nurse. It doesn't matter whether you're a college or a student in school. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You are carrying that product. You wear it. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so there are always going to be adversaries. Why is my boss giving me a hard time? Why is this? There are adversaries. But remember, there is an effective and a great energy, effectiveness for you to walk through that door, even with those adversaries. Come on. Many times we think, oh, I just don't think I could do this. The atmosphere is so lousy. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can do it. Because there is a great and effective door that has opened to you. I apologize, guys. Amen? God will deliver us through the situations that we have in life. Colossians, and we're about to wrap up here. Colossians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4 says, Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word that, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Many times we need to understand that there is a there's a door for the word of, and that word there is, stands for, in the Greek, it means utterance. Open to us a door for the word of utterance. How many of you know that every time I come up here, I am praying that God gives me a word, that a door opens for a word of utterance to go forth? Every time we speak, every time we go into a job, that the word of utterance goes forth out of our lives. Every time we run into somebody, I ran into somebody yesterday. I got to talk to them and share with them about what God is doing in our lives. Every time, I'm, we're believing for God to give us a word of utterance to go forth. This is Paul talking here. He says, meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ. To speak the mystery of Christ. That's what we want released from our lives. That's what I want released from the message that I share every single time. The mysteries of Christ be released. And it's an utterance that we give out. But it's a door for the word of utterance. There is a door. There again. A door that's going to be open to us. And who's that door? Who holds the keys to those doors? Come on. Jesus does. So he's going to open the doors for us to be able to declare the mysteries of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. That we may manifest who he is, the mysteries of Christ. We want to manifest the mysteries of Christ. A door of utterance. How can God use me to set people free? That's a question I ask myself every day. How can God use me to set people free? But by the power of God, open to us door... uh, Open to us a door to speak the mystery of Christ. Open a door of utterance to you. His desire is to open a door for you to speak and declare the mysteries of Christ to the world around us. What effect can my mere words have? But when uttered by the Holy Spirit, what what power can my words have? They don't but it's only by the Holy Spirit that moves upon those words to bring the mystery, to reveal the mysteries of Christ. It's only by the Holy Spirit. There again, another, another symbolic picture of a total reliance upon Jesus. We are totally reliant upon Jesus. Does that make you feel weak? At times, if you look at it, that it's totally upon Jesus, we realize it makes me feel weak. But at the same time, it makes me feel strong because I know what Jesus has done. I know what he's capable of. In myself, I feel weak. But then I know what's right behind me. Come on. I know what's right behind me. Ask God to open to you a door of utterance of the Holy Spirit. Ask God to open a door of utterance for you in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to stop here for today because I believe that there's some more keys that we're going to talk about. Pull out your keys if you have them sitting next to you. As you see your keys this week, I want you to think about it, that God, Jesus holds the keys 
to open doors in our lives. Jesus holds the keys to open doors, and we can trust that if they're shut, no man can open it. But if it's open, no man can shut it. He holds the keys. And when he opens it, we can go through with confidence, knowing that he's behind us, he's opened the door. Yes, there will be adversaries, but you know what? We can walk through with confidence, knowing what he has for us. Amen? A word of utterance, a word of faith, a door of faith, a door of healing. These are the doors that Jesus opens for us. You say, I don't know if I have enough faith. You don't need to. I don't even know if I have enough faith to believe that Jesus holds those keys. You don't have to. You don't have to. You don't have to. Let's stand. Thank you for putting up with my voice and sniffling. I apologize. Next week, it'll be gone. So, God is good. God is good. And he, he, there are doors in our lives that God has given us opportunity. Don't second guess what God is doing. Walk with confidence. Father, we just pray right now, Father, that you would give us clarity of mind to see the truth of what Jesus has done for us. That the keys of David, the key of David that we want to be, to be able to walk in as a church, the key of David, Father, God, seeing Jesus, that, Lord, we can recognize that there are things in our lives, that, Lord, we recognize Jesus, that we stand on the word, Father God, of what you've spoken in our lives, going back to, Father God, knowing that you are going to open doors. You can open the doors, Father God, that no man can open. And then no man will be able to close once you've opened it, Father. Lord, we thank you, Father God, that, Lord, we can trust and rest in you, Father God. Lord, even as we rest, Father God, the doors of perseverance, the doors of of being patient, Father God, Lord, that you hold the keys to helping us walk those things out in our lives. Lord, I pray that you continue to reveal yourself to us, revealing the heart of your Son and what he has fully done for us, Father God. Lord, that we receive it and walk in the fullness of the benefits and the blessings and the favor that we can walk in and what you have done. We receive it today. We receive it today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Say, I receive it. I receive it.